We're reading the Word of God tonight in Psalm 27, the 27th Psalm, and we're reading from the opening verse. The 27th Psalm, and we're reading from the verse 1. Let us hear God's Word tonight. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. No one host should encamp against me. My heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies, round about me. Therefore will I offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. And we know that God will bless the reading of his inspired, inerrant, and infallible word to all our hearts. I want to speak tonight a little upon this psalm as the Lord enables us. I'm thinking tonight about the theme, overcoming our fears. And of course, fear is something real to many people, and maybe even to you here tonight in our meeting. A little girl came to her daddy and said, Daddy, are you afraid of cows? No, said Daddy. Are you afraid of woolly worms? Little girl continued. And of course the father said no. Well, Daddy, little girl remarked with a twinkle in her eye, you're not afraid of anything but mommy, are you? Fear, whether of wolves or worms or whatever it is, 
Maybe even cows is real. Fear is one of the common enemies of the soul. Professor C.M. Carsters, a well-known psychologist of Edinburgh University, he said that fear is the great threat to mental health in our generation. And even those with strong, aggressive personalities harbor some secret fears. They may be afraid of dark, of the dark, or of heights, or of being in big crowds. One dictionary on phobias lists 75 fears, ranging from fear of blushing to fear itself. And fear is part of us as human beings. And of course, we recognize that even tonight. It is paralyzing for many people. And many people are paralyzed by fear. In fact, they are in bondage to fear. And perhaps even tonight you can identify with that. In this psalm here, Psalm 27, the psalmist speaks about God who strengthened him so that he could overcome oppressive fear. And that's the God that we look to tonight. That's the God that we trust in. This is another one of many psalms that gives the believer tremendous comfort and confidence amidst the difficulties and the dangers that confront us in the course of our pilgrimage to glory. How many times have we read this psalm when we face dangers, when perhaps even we were surrounded by foes, when we were in the midst of difficult circumstances? I cannot recall the number of times I would say hundreds upon hundreds of times I read the psalm at the bed of a sick person or in the home where there was trial and trouble and people were going struggle through struggles. And of course, when confronted with mounting adversity, every believer must have resolute faith in God. And that is marked by unshakable confidence. The scripture reminds us, cast not away your confidence for a great recompense of reward. And this was the experience of David as recorded here in this wonderful psalm that we have just read from. And no doubt you all here are listening in even are familiar with. It is a song of hope in the Lord. It is the second of three consecutive psalms here. If you look at the context, Psalms 26 to 28, in which David focused upon seeking the Lord in the house of God. With triumphant confidence in God, he declared the blessing of being in the Lord's house close to the manifestation of his presence and his glory, even when he was surrounded by trouble. Maybe you're surrounded by trouble. Troubles you can't even express. 
They bring a lump to your throat, a tremble to your hand, a chill to your spine. Maybe they're causing you to have sleepless nights and you're overwhelmed. The Puritan John Owen said this, and I quote, Unless men see a beauty and delight in the worship of God, they will not do it willingly. It is evident that David saw a beauty and a delight in the worship of God. And this is manifested on many occasions through the Psalms. And you could perhaps cite other Psalms tonight off the top of your head that you will relate to in this context. The psalm here does reveal that David was in great danger from violent evildoers. Look at verse 2, for example. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. There were those lying in wait for him, verse 12. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. They were wanting to kill him. Look at verse 2 again. Even mine enemies and my foes, they came upon me to eat up my flesh. You see their violent intent. Verse 12, deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me. They rose up against him. They breathed out cruelty against him. Saul and his men continually hounded David. And he found himself harassed by Saul. But in spite of this, in spite of all the dangers, in spite of all the difficult situation, David had a confidence in God. Look at verse 3. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. He was courageous, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He was unafraid. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In this psalm, David teaches us that when we know the Lord... And when we trust in the Lord, he helps us to overcome those fears that paralyze our lives. And maybe you've come here tonight or listening in tonight and you're paralyzed by fear. Well, this psalm provides the solution to the problems that you're presently going through or have been going through in your life. Overcoming our fears. I want you to think about this tonight. Now, of course, we'll not get through all of the psalm, but if I am here next week, we'll continue uh, on this theme. The fear of circumstances, that's the first thing, verses 1 to 6. And maybe that's the fear that you have now or have had in the past. It's a dreadful fear which may overcome you and may have already overcome 
Your circumstances can fill you with dread. David didn't close his eyes to the circumstances around him. Rather, he looked by faith and examined his circumstances from heaven's point of view. Because you see, dear friends, tonight, God orders all our circumstances. God is in control of every situation. You ever hear people saying, what's God doing? Well, God is in control of everything. He holds our breath in the palm of his hand. He knows all things. He doeth all things well. The scripture reminds us. And so, God is working out his own purpose. Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. Again, uh, familiar verses to many. The 12th chapter of Hebrews and the first three verses. And listen to the words of Scripture there and what, what they say. It says, of course, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Are you weighed down tonight, Christian? And the sin which doth so easily beset us, that means sins that surround us, encompass us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now listen to this. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down in the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Looking on to Jesus. That's the key. Considering the Lord Jesus Christ, getting your eyes upon him. And you see, as we look back to the Psalm 27, the Lord was everything David needed, just as he is everything you need tonight. He is our light. The Lord is my light and my salvation, he said. So we need not fear the darkness. The Lord is my light, he said. It's a metaphor of divine holiness, isn't it? The Lord is light, and him is no darkness at all. It's a metaphor of truth and light. All that is positive and good, all that dispels the darkness, is found in the Lord. It's found in the Lord tonight. But God was not only his light, he was his salvation. It means he was the one who delivered him from, far, from harm and danger. The Lord is our great deliverer, so the victory is sure. He is our strength. The Lord is the strength of my life, the Scripture tells us here. The Bible tells us that the Lord is our stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. So we need not fear because of our weaknesses. Of course, this is the first time in Scripture that light is used as a metaphor for God, but it's used on many other occasions. You go into the first chapter of John, and you, you discover it there, for example, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1 and verse 4. And the Scripture there says, as we look at it, the first chapter of John and the verse 4, and it says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The Lord is our light. He's our light. 
Maybe you're going through darkness tonight. Oh, what darkness many believers are going through. Many Christians are going through dark passages of their life. Maybe a visit to a doctor or maybe something that you feel within your body and you think, how can I even go and see a doctor? Because you're so afraid. You're in a dark place tonight. The Lord is the light of his people. He is your light. Matthew Henry said, Hosts cannot hurt us if the Lord of hosts protects us. Listen to those words again. Hosts cannot hurt us if the Lord of hosts protects us. And again he said, Matthew Henry, what a great commentator he is. He said this, his providence will keep us safe. The providence of God. David didn't know here if the enemy would make a sudden attack like a beast devouring its prey. It's mentioned here in verse 2. They came to eat of his flesh. Or he didn't know that they would, he would have to settle down for a long siege. Verse 3, the one host should encamp against me. Or declare war and attack. Again, verse 3. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. No matter what the tactics of the enemy would be. The enemy didn't frighten David. Because he trusted in God. He trusted in God. Whether it's in the, the family situation. Or in your circumstances in the workplace. Or wherever you may be in the course of your life. Today or tomorrow or whenever. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, verse 31. Therefore we need not fear or be afraid of anyone. David's personal confidence in God is emphasized in the threefold repetition of my in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And even when evil men and enemies and foes attacked David and the lone army besieged him in war, he remained confident in God's protective defense. They would stumble and fall in utter defeat. For with God one is never outnumbered. We're always on the winning side. We're on the victory side tonight. The secret of David's public confidence was his private obedience. You see, he took time to fellowship with God and get directions from the Lord. David knew that the most important part of his life was that part that only God could see. And this was the one priority he would not negotiate. He was living in the wilderness of Judea, away from the sanctuary of God, but he was still, still able to enter into the fellowship, into fellowship with the Lord, into God's house. Look at verses 5 and 6 of the psalm. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. 
In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Of course, the temple had not yet been built. But it was still referred to as God's temple. And the imagery used here in verses 4 to 6 is the Old Testament equivalent of abiding in Christ and fellowship with Christ. And that's where we all need to be, preacher included tonight. We all need to be in fellowship with Christ, in fellowship with him continually. This is borne out in the 15th chapter of John. John chapter 15 Verses 1 to 8, I'll not read all the verses, but I commend it to your consideration and study, the 15th chapter of John, and the verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And then he goes on, verse 4, abide in me, you see. That's what it is. Abiding in Christ. Being in the presence of Christ. Being close to Christ. And the believer needs to be in that fellowship. In that closeness. In that nearness. In that communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. In the east when a visitor entered his host's tent. The host was personally responsible for his protection and his provision. The flimsy tent became a fortress. And thank God we have the greatest of all protection from the Lord. You go home tonight and lay down upon your bed or sit back in your chair. You have the Lord's protection. You have the Lord's provision. You have the fact that he is a fortress. And that term is used in other places. Notice verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. That word beauty in verse 4 means not only the glory of God's character, but also the richness of his goodness. And his favor to his people. Our God is good. Many times have we said that. God is good. And of course it's one of the attributes of God. The goodness of God. He is good in his character. And the Bible tells us. In the 16th Psalm. In the verse 11. Just back a few pages from what we were reading. Earlier. Psalm 16 verse 11. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What a prospect we have in the presence of God. And some already have realized that. They've entered into that, into the presence of God, the fullness of joy. Those who have gone on before, that's where they're at. Who knew the Savior? In the presence of the Lord. Psalm 90 and verse 17. 
the 90th Psalm and the verse 17. Listen to these words again of Scripture and what it says. The 90th Psalm and the verse 17. Some wonderful words again in this Psalm. Psalm 90 verse 17. Let the beauty, there you have it again, let the beauty of our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish the, the beauty of the Lord. And David took time to meditate and to contemplate the wonders of God's grace. He came away from his times of worship feeling the rock under his feet. Seeing above and beyond the enemy to the victory that God had prepared for him. No wonder he vowed to God that when he returned to Jerusalem, he would bring thank offerings to him and joyfully worship him. In verse 6, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. So whatever your circumstances are tonight, we need not fear because we place our confidence in God as David did. I was reading recently of James Hannington, the first bishop of equatorial Africa. He was seized and imprisoned in 1885, when he reached Lake Victoria, he writes in his journal that, and I quote, consumed with fear and at times delirious from pain, devoured by vermin, menaced every moment by the prospect of death. He found strength in this psalm, Psalm 27. He found great strength in this psalm. On October the 28th, the day before he was killed, he wrote, I am quite broken down and low, comforted by Psalm 27. Comforted by Psalm 27. And dear folks, tonight, what a comfort this psalm is. You're overcome by fears. Fears that overwhelm you. Fears that you feel about your circumstances. And you feel, I can't cope with all this. I am overwhelmed by fear. And you wring your hands in the midst of this. And you think, well, I cannot get through this. I cannot get over this. How can I cope the fear of circumstances? Now, we'll continue this if we're here next week. So, it's part one, uh, Psalm 27. I'll leave you with that tonight. I trust the Lord will bless his word and comfort your heart, maybe in the midst of fear, through those verses of Psalm 27 tonight. We're going to sing another hymn, 441, then we'll come to prayer to seek the Lord. 441, hold thou my hand so weak I am and helpless. 
I do not take one step without thy aid. Hold thou my hand, for thou, then, O loving Saviour, no dread of ill, Ill shall make my soul afraid. And again, the words of Fanny Crosby, how many beautiful hymns she wrote. And of course, here's one of them tonight, maybe one that we don't sing all that often. Uh, but I trust it's a blessing to you as you think of the words tonight. We'll stand as we sing. upon the work, all the aspects of it. Some have been already going on tonight and the children and young people have heard the word pray for God's blessing upon them. Remember the Lord's Day in the Sunday school and then as we come to bring the Lord's word on Sunday pray for us and pray for the preaching of the word Remembrance Day of course as we think of remembrance or the next day as I have opportunity to speak it various remembrance services and uh, Thursday night at 7 o'clock I'll be speaking at 1 and then on uh, Saturday again the City Hall in Belfast to hundreds of apprentice boys uh, at the remembrance there at 2 o'clock 
uh, at the City Hall and then Sunday morning in the prison, would you believe, a remembrance service at 9 o'clock and then we'll come here. So do pray for us uh, over these days that the Lord will help us to be a witness to those that perhaps wouldn't normally come under the sound of God's word, that God will use this remembrance time. And do remember, of course, uh, we reflect upon the life of our late brother, Dr. Bill Woods, and all that he achieved in his life, and we rejoice in that. And he has gone to his reward, to the presence of a Savior. He's very unassuming. And, of course, people are asking me about his funeral service. Well, I don't know anything about that because he was a very private man. And uh, details, I don't know if will be known or not. But anyway, we know that he's with the Lord and he's in his presence. We rejoice in his life and all that he accomplished for the Lord. Uh, to God be the glory. It's a privilege to know him and to hear him and to sit under his ministry and see what God has done. I was reading today a tribute from the president of Brazil uh, to Dr. Woods. Uh, of course, all that he did there in that land. And so we rejoice. A prince and a great man has gone today and to be with the Lord. Remember, I know there's a wider family circle, but not close relatives, but remember that wider circle. I think he was only one in the circle that was saved, but the Lord can work in that wider circle and pray that God will do that through his passing and through others, to others who knew him as well. So remember that uh, situation and do pray for those in the church too who are laid aside and pray that God will give grace and help. Brother George, continue to remember him and his family suffered double loss there and do pray that God will give comfort the Lord has been doing that brother has been telling me how the Lord has been giving great comfort and uh, I trust that you'll continue to remember our dear, your dear pastor as well the Lord's healing touch there's improvements there but he still needs to rest and and he, he his body's telling him that of course and uh, trust that you'll continue to pray for him he'll recover and be back here uh, in the pulpit the sooner he's back uh, the less you'll have to listen to me uh, so that'll be good uh, but anyway uh, we trust seriously that he will be back soon uh, ministering God's word in this pulpit uh, but God's time is right too and sometimes the Lord tells us to come aside rest a while and then to recover fully uh, to uh, health and strength I remember one time I had a gallbladder operation and I came back um, too soon and uh, remember my clerk of session at the time godly man Hugh Garrett he said to me just quietly in my ear Mr Smiley you shouldn't be back you shouldn't be back it was too soon you see and uh, I did listen and uh, rested so sometimes that happens and you have to rest just draw aside to, to rest for a period and trust our brother will know the Lord's touch and I know he's conscious as his wife and family are to your prayers this time perhaps brother Kyle would lead us as the Lord leads and then uh, we will pray as the Lord leads each one 